It's happy times and places where two Doctor Who fans, one of them's me, Toby Haydock, see if they can agree about the best things about a Doctor Who story. Hi Toby, it's Derek here. Thank you so much for letting me participate in this. Although I'm normally a Star Trek fan, Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who, will always have a special place in my heart. And it's Tom Baker who is my doctor. The serial is Mike Nightmare of Eden. And over the years, it's had a critical lambasting from fans and reviewers for various reasons. But I would like people just maybe to give it a second try. Well, welcome back. Uh, it is episode four of Nightmare of Eden. Uh, will you be able to keep awake during it? You don't stay awake during a nightmare, do you? Uh, my friend Derek O'Brien has so far chosen three things. We have one more and a bonus to uh, get to at the end. Uh, so let's see what part four has in store. Uh, I'm paused on the DVD between parts three and parts four. And I'm going to press play in three, two, one. Uh, and so, uh, this title sequence only has four episodes to go after this, if you don't count Sharda, um, which, as it wasn't broadcast, I think is perfectly acceptable to not count. Gosh, Shardo was, for, was like the Holy Grail for many years. No, no, you can't move for Shardas. Bob Baker's only solo credit uh, for Doctor Who. Uh, now, I, I think some of Nightmare of Eden's bad reputation comes, as well as you know the the the, the, the odd uh, sort of comic tone. Um, much of it comes from this episode I would say so it'll be interesting to think I, I am enjoying watching it in good quality and on the big screen and though Tom Baker has a very sweaty face I you do sort of get the impression that he sort of he might just sleep anywhere in that big long coat and shirt and um, you don't think about such things as, 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 as someone someone's personal hygiene when you're a kid but as an adult you go did you i mean did you did, did he just did you just spend ages in the same clothes asleep i know he used to wander around with a toothbrush in his in his pocket and sort of you know wherever i lay my hat that's my home that planet is moving um which i've never noticed before because i've got it on on quite a big uh screen at the moment this is quite nice um i'm able to watch uh, stuff bigger than I've ever seen it before. Um, I mean, I think when I originally watched this, it might eat... Yeah, because we didn't get a colour telly for a very long time. Um, so, yeah, I think I would have originally watched this in black and white. Now, that's just because uh, Dimond is, is calling it Hecate, and Tom Baker, I'm sure, later calls it the Hecate. Um which of course is you know that's that's a way of pronouncing the the name of the goddess uh and probably tom baker god is what well, it took it to you isn't it and is it, but everyone else has called it hecate so far well i don't care <laughs> i mean I, I as 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 we know i think he was in a a fairly strident mood when this was being made which is 
one of the reasons that uh, Alan Bromley, the director, who's I think it, I think it might have been his last job ever. Um, uh, you know, so walks out of the studio never to return. Um, so Graham Williams, the producer, directed. Okay, so um, Fisk, who is very much the chief of the two uh, customs officers, has told Dimond he's got to stay put. Dimond wants to. Dimond's had to do that uh, thing because he said, why, "Why are you on the ship? You were supposed to be here." So, oh, I come to get some stuff to deal with the mandrels. But of course, we've had a hint in episode three that Dimond is perhaps uh, complicit in some of the nefarious shenanigans that are going on so the doctor looks like he disappeared in the uh in the gap between uh you know the ship and the ship and the ship but uh, he's okay so that's fine um and oh yes and Della's sort of helping out because of course the mandrels have been been a little bit on the yeah so the the the, the ship itself is has got these sort of marauding monsters um and and yeah, there are a few things that sort of go go wrong in this episode, and it's it's odd because we I don't really think that much about about Della. She's not terribly exciting, but I don't think she does anything particularly wrong. Um, I wish she'd give us an interview, though. Come on, Jennifer Lonsdale. Uh, as I say, I think she's. Yeah, she's some dignitary's wife now. I think she's. I think she's posh. Um, but that's all right. Tracy Louise Ward from Time Lash is posh. Lots of posh people have passed through Doc Two. Nothing wrong with being posh. Uh, doesn't mean you don't have to talk about your your days. I'm sure, she's got better things to do than talk to people about Nightmare of Eden. It would just be nice, but partially because so much of it is shrouded in mystery as to, you know, we we, we it's not. I mean, you know, I know a couple of people have talked about um, Tom Baker and Alan Bromley, you know, not being simpatico, but not enough contributors have really sort of given testimony that we've that we've got a picture that quite satisfies me, I, I would say. So this is interesting. So we're in episode four uh, and, and solving Fidella solving the mystery of Stott because, of course, she loves him. But this is this is an odd way to begin the climactic episode where you've had a big bit of dialogue between Fisk and Dimond and then a big bit of dialogue between Romana and uh, Della and the and and Tom Baker's doing what he likes best, which is have, not having to talk to anybody by himself and occasionally leer at the camera. Um, uh, and it's, is that called an intucalaza? Uh, so yeah, so I do. I quite like Dimon's silvery suit, um, but yeah, the Doctor's sort of hiding, uh, sort of in plain sight. There, no, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, some of the lighting here is nice. This 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 set is nice and dark. The uh, the jungle set of Eden is nice and dark because, of course, I've got to. Um, Ah, so so right. So what Dibbon's done there is he's he he hasn't resisted being able to uh, uh, 
and, and a very good response from the doctor there who's you know obviously very dour and dismissive about the profits of human suffering but uh, he only knows about that because dimmon's basically gone before i do i'll just i'll just go check how much money i'm gonna make out of this and leave it on the computer um uh to to to, to show my complicity uh in in yeah uh that that was rather a convenient action oh and the doctor does he sort of hides in the shuttle doesn't he um where only somebody that, that is really confident that they're not being followed um I, th I think it's a yeah it's because it's not the biggest of shuttles and uh yeah that the doctor's pretty close um yeah okay can i i can yeah i can i can sort of see it's interesting because this as i say i came into this um going i know it's got a bad reputation but i rather like it and then watching the first three episodes i, I have had a sleep or two in between episodes one and three and episode four but it's curious that this is the last episode and it's been a bit talky and uh, a bit clunky. Uh, and there seems to be a, a higher uh, higher number of things to forgive in this episode than, than, than previously. Now, that might just be my change in uh, mood between episodes three and four because I was I, I was loving it but it seems to have slowed a little bit um, maybe maybe you know maybe things because they did they weren't because they'll they'll have done it by s set won't they rather than but I assume Alan Bromley because Alan Bromley didn't didn't I don't think uh, missed missed out on too uh too much of the production um but of but things get a bit frayed because jeffrey hinsliff when he's talking to trist calls him fisk which is his own name and they don't go again uh which is a a sort of sign of of uh of a, of a bit of a strain on the time if nothing else you go well just carry on every people always call other people by their own name <laughs> but i mean that's unthinkable now isn't it um but yeah i want to see some mandrels killing some passengers uh and and that hasn't happened yet um but I've got to think of two. So, but I've got to think of a, a favourite thing from this episode and a bonus favourite thing, which doesn't necessarily have to be from this episode. And uh, I, I was I was hoping to save, you know, the the idea of 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 the planets on the uh, on the CET machine. But I th I think Derek has sort of claimed that. Um, so I got to find a couple. Of, yay! The doctor's back. Oh, uh, now <laughs> I love it when K nine shoots people. Um, <laughs> I don't know why it's just a big childhood memory of mine. It's all very slow though, isn't it? Um, just in terms of the the pacing and the staging. Although here's a nice wheeze. This actor is called Eden Phillips. 
so do you think do you think there was a casting call went out and he just went well i'm gonna tell i'm I, i'm gonna i'm gonna write in and go look come on i won't be a nightmare and if it's called nightmare of eden you've got to give me the job i don't know anything about him um as i say we probably did look when we were doing the dvd commentary um because i know we were looking for mandrels um because we tried one of them is called jan merzanovsky who was uh who was also in uh the quatermass the final quatermass series who we worked at must have been very old by that point and i think we found his son i don't know if we got as far as him um for some reason we didn't i didn't know about rob rob goodman at that point um, who's who's had a brilliant career as an actor, but was also a prolific extra. But sometimes, and I only know Rob because he knows uh, another comedian called Andrew O'Neill, and they're they've all did to magic and all that. Um, so Andrew put me in touch with with Rob. Um, but this was this was way after we we'd done the DVD for this, and then Rob got cast in Listen after I'd interviewed him about being a mandrel amongst other things. Um, and he's been, he's, he's had great parts in all sorts, Rob. He's been in uh, Ripper Street and uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, after he made the decision to stop being extra and, and you know, just do featured acting work. Uh, and he made the transi- transition, which is not as easy as you would think. So Eden Phillips has now been killed. Uh, as I said, I don't know anything about him. They're very frayed, aren't they, the, the mandrels? Although I do like, I do like the costumes um the, the 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 faces and the eyes and everything uh yeah so so trist now gets a bit cocky doesn't he i'm right behind him yeah i'm the bad guy now in case you hadn't noticed before um and this this kind of works now because you know uh, the doctor uh, the, you know the the, well, the so again that was quite slow wasn't it everyone's pointing and stop shout stop it it's a bit it's just a bit chuggy um uh but uh, plot wise it's it's working because the, the baddies are doing their thing but the customs guys think the doctor is the baddie the mandrels are marauding so uh the 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 baddies are able to be getting away with their stuff it's 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 neatly it's neatly plotted if the pacing as i say is a is a little off i i i now i I like uh trist's attempt to to justify and actually uh, he, he you know he's talking about stopping a species becoming extinct and she says i think a few million people becoming extinct is worse but actually well that 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 depends because the peep it's not about the whole of humanity extinct means um you know wiped out completely so people dying of racks isn't wiping out the population whereas he's talking about conserving you know unique creatures and specimens so in a in a way um the way that della phrased that i would say is unfortunate i see i love that a, a bit of a laser gun and a shooting of a panel um i i but but unfortunately the limitations of drawing a laser onto existing action work here where Della is shot in the neck and clutches her stomach <laughs> because it's actually you don't see because angles look very different depending on 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 where you are so they were sort of slightly scuppered by that um 
But I did like the one that Trist, uh, that Trist shot the panel with. Um, and and K9 there has a, another laser beam. Um, yeah, it's, it's a high laser beam quotient. And I think there's a few in Horns of Nymon as well. Uh, she's she's wounded after being shot in the face um, because that was the only place he could hit her. Um, you can see why in, in some stories instead they just go for a gun that lights up at the end because then you don't have to, to rationalise the direction the actor is pointing and, and, uh, 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 and the camera angle and all sorts of things because you have to line up, you know, a number of, a number of different things to get them right. Um... He's handsome, isn't he, Barry, uh, Barry Andrews? <laughs> I do like the way that Tom Baker's doctor just sort of wanders into places with supreme confidence, usually to then be disappointed. And he is a bit wayward, and there's going to be rather a famous wayward moment uh, coming later. But... Uh, I mean, this is the doctor that I grew up with, and I didn't, I didn't notice he was misbehaving, um, and uh, you know what? You, it's a payoff, isn't it? You you get a a, a mercurial, unpredictable actor. Sometimes he's going to behave unpredictably, and when he's on song, he is so good, and he's so naturally good. He's so naturally the doctor. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, they're funny, aren't they, the mandrels? What, do we like them? I think those faces are fantastic. Um, it's just the lack of bendy arms, the fact that the, you can see they're coming apart at the seams and the fact that they've got flared legs. But other than that, what have the mandrels ever done to you? Um, and and I like the sort of space setting and the amount of the, the back and forth between the spaceships and all of that sort of thing, because um, because that's something Doctor Who often forgot to do for periods of being a sort of you know set in space, because um, it's so fond of being on Earth and for all the reasons that we know and it does good historical drama in twentieth century Earth with the Yeti on the loo in Tootingbeck. But I, you know, it's 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 fun to go to a spaceship and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> that I mean that, yeah. Oh, and of course he, uh, yeah, he does the dog whistle thing, which is only a thing I knew about because of Doctor Who. The the, the dog whistle. That's how I learnt about that. I walk my dog in the park. Somebody's got a dog whistle. Um, I like the mandrel noises. I love the green glowy eyes. Um, the doctor is a sort of pied piper, um, and, and 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 I sort of like the way that the that the mandrels are compliant, you know, uh, and, and until he stops whistling and then they turn savage again. And 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 now this bit is um, so. Let's talk about the jungle because we like the jungle. I think that's a a, a neat set and the and the visual of the the you know the jungle in the lounge of a spaceship is a fantastic beautiful piece of doctor who incongruity um but uh this one wonders if it was something like this that 
you know, Alan Bromley might have said, are you sure about this, Tom? And Tom Baker, well, I'm an alien, I'm a time lord from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Custerberus. We always say, ooh, my arms, ooh, my legs, ooh, my everything. Um, uh, wouldn't it be witty if I came on with the arms of my jacket torn in half? Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the, the comic timing of of him looking sort of slightly <laughs> frazzled and torn apart, but, you know, having succeeded. And then the monster coming and him pegging it is very, very funny. I think it's the delivery of the, ooh, my arms, my legs, my everything, and the, oh, oh, is, is that's, I think, an actor um, with nobody reining him in. Uh, and the screwdriver gag is very, very funny. Um, but the problem is that you see, I think gags like that work better if everything else around you is deadly serious because you've just had the bit where Tom Baker has, has been, um, uh, you know, skirting with, uh, um, an offense contrary to the act acting, <laughs> the actor's code, um, to then have the screwdriver gag after that. It's, it's, I think the screwdriver gag would have benefited more from, from coming in a, not coming off the back of something very, very silly, but it's still a very good joke. <laughs> um, although I do take the point that um, Romana and the Doctor, you know, people who 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 aren't fan of fans of the sort of um, sort of the intellectual Cambridge too clever by half uh, uh, feel that that perhaps you have if you've got Douglas Adams and uh, Tom Baker and Lala Ward, um, uh, you, you know, all, mi all mixed together. But I, uh, I, th I think it, I think it works. I, 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 I think you can be a, a bit too clever for your own good. If you travel through space and time, saving the universe and know loads of stuff, uh, it's, uh, uh, and they are very, very funny. Um, I'm going to say Hecate. It's Hecate. I'm going to say Hecate. Okay. Um, and, and and he's, you know, he's he's in full villain mode now, Louis Fyander, having sort of been playing, I'm a bit dotty scientist, is now going, now nah, I'm the villain, so there. Um, but it's, I like the way that the CET machine is used as the solution to the escaping villains. So that's nicely plotted. And brings it all back together. Um, and this, that shifting video effect is very, very good. Um, you know, very, very simple. Ah, uh, yes, he is hoist by his own petard. Uh, and and of course, it's good because um, uh, you know Fisk comes in all critical and so he gets a sort of comeuppance because he's never trusted the doctor and he's been a bit of a burke throughout but in delivering his quarry to him the doctor sort of sort of defeats him in a way that uh, you know at least you know in, in, in terms of finding the solution and 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 pricking pricking his pomposity a little bit um so uh, and that's yeah that's a great and this this i think I mean, I, I, I'm I'm anticipating that this is going to be one of my my choices uh, is 
Tom Baker for all his silliness uh, is brilliant here. Um, not even looking at him. Go away. Yeah. Great. Love it. Uh, you know, that's for, for all the messing about, you know, when we're talking about international intergalactic drug dealing and, and you know, the very real dangers of drugs, which, you know, and, and, and I sort of like the way that this never gets finger waggy, oh, don't do drugs, kids, but it does do a kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the scale of destruction that can be wrought by these things. Uh, it, you know, is 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 enormous, with um, without it ever seeming sort of preachy or or like adults. Sometimes you know a thing made by adults that's got a message that is particularly relevant to kids or teenagers can sometimes seem a bit like the geography teacher dancing at the school disco and trying to, you know, trying to trying to explain stuff to the kids on their level. It doesn't even actually bother to do that. It 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 takes it up a level. Um, you know, it doesn't even try and I think today, if you did that, you'd maybe have a teenage character or whatever who 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 becomes, um, you know, hooked on the Vrax or something, or who who becomes involved in the smuggling. And in order to sort of say, "Oh, teenagers, this is relevant to you," this is just this this I think rather sensibly, um, sort of ascends above that slightly. Interesting. I I I was struggling a bit at the top. I am a bit tired. I almost didn't do this tonight, but I I I'd enjoyed it so much the other night that uh, I thought come on let's get the rest of uh, rest of Nightmare of Eden out of the way but I was I was a little bit tired Roger can yeah we never we, never, we didn't get the designer either and I know Rupert uh, Rupert Jarvis the costume designer uh, is no longer with us um, but I don't know if he was I, d I don't know if he had died by when we did the, the the commentary, or or whether he was another one who just didn't want to talk to us uh, uh, about it. Um, but I don't think we didn't get the impression it was all related to the fact that it had been a struggling production and that nobody wanted to say anything because they wanted to spare Alan Bromley's blushes or Tom Baker's blushes or whatever. It, it was just more a coincidence of lots of people with a with a reason not to want to do it that was was actually nothing to do with that. As I say, Rob, Rob Goodman, when I did interview him, didn't even know that the director had walked off. Um, so anyway, yeah, so I struggled with that a bit at the beginning because, the, I, I don't know, it just didn't seem... Having having got, built a quite a lovely climax at the end of episode three, it, it then, yeah, it then it's, it's gears sort of stuck a bit at the top. But I still think it's a great story. I think it's a really... Uh, interesting story. I, I I think some of the attempts at humour really work. The odd one doesn't. I think, actually, considering it was a troubled production, it only sort of frays at the edges really in in episode four. Depending, I suppose, on what, how how well disposed you are towards towards the mandrels, who I think look okay. Uh, who I think look okay. Um, uh, so. One of my well, my thing for episode four is Tom Baker's reaction to Trist when Trist tries to justify drug smuggling, and Doctor Who just goes, "I'm not even going to look at you." Uh, and uh, my other thing 
is I think going to be the, the the jungle because that encapsulates some nice lighting. I was going to say the lighting because some of the some of the shadowier parts of the the spaceships are nicely lit as well. But actually, a lot of the the corridor stuff and the the main bridge stuff is 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 you know fairly Doctor Who one hundred one or whatever. Um, but but I think the jungle because you have that thing of the 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 jungle set in the spaceship lounge which is a which is a beautiful piece of doctor who incongruity and um uh you know taking taking two fairly straightforward things and smashing them together and therefore making them really interesting but also sort of quite quaint as well um but also it's a decent set uh considering they didn't look to have much space with it and the lighting in it was 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 very very nice so so yeah the the jungle eden eden uh Eden itself. So I wonder what my friend Derek, uh, who's been a very polite and game contributor, and I'm pleased because he's a, as I say, he's really a Star Trek fan, but uh, he, he clearly knows enough about Doctor Who. And the fourth thing I like about this serial was the end, when the bad guys were caught and they tried to get the doctors who support them by justifying that they were smuggling these drugs in order to fund their scientific research. And he wouldn't even look at them. He just simply says, go away, go away. After overplaying the character throughout the four chapters, at the end here, he's just not giving them anything. Tom Baker is just chilling. And it chills me now just thinking about it. And that is overall really what I liked about this. Years before Just Say No became prevalent in the cultural zeitgeist, we had an uncompromising, mature story against drugs. You had nothing. You know, there was nothing to sort of justify. You know, This was simply, no, this is wrong. I don't care what you were doing it for. I don't care who's, you know, no matter what you could say about, you know, the people that, that were choosing to do this, no, this is it, it's wrong. It was such a bold, strong, unimpeachable message, really. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. Watching it now, again, after so many years, yes, the effects were bad. Yes, the direction was a bit shoddy. The costumes were laughable. Uh, but still, if you can ignore all of that and just... Even just listen to it. It is an amazing story. And it is it is something that, that's worth re-watching. Or at least listening to. Listen, thanks again for this, Toby. I do appreciate this. Bye-bye. Oh, you don't need to appreciate it, Derek. You've done me a favour, and I think... And it's 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 very nice. I was very keen um, to get a... As I say, no, I, I'm, there will be American people on this podcast because I've got friends over in, in the States. But... This is an a, an American who who has lived over here for 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 a long time. So an, a, 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 somebody who has you know who was introduced to this you know f from a foreign culture, but a culture that he came to understand and 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 be a part of because he's lived here for years now. So I thought that was a really interesting perspective. So I wasn't sure which one he'd choose in the first place. Uh, and then I like the fact that he chose this. Um, and 
so I mean I'm I did the drugs thing but I didn't do the anti-drugs thing because it was more the concept and the, f- the fact that it was tied up with the mandrels although I did mention the anti-drugs thing and how effective I thought it was I didn't I don't think I, that counts that I chose it so that was his overall thing so he chose the same thing as me for episode four but his overall thing even though I alluded to it and I and I and I sort of touched on it in episode three I don't think that really counts so I haven't won again so I think Derek if he wants is legally um allowed to have me killed um so there we go so uh <laughs> that's what happens when you're doubling drugs kids uh you, you get into all sorts of trouble so I'm I'm sorry if I, I think I started this commentary a little tired and also a little I was sort of waiting for the episode to to kick in and to keep pointing out things that were were wrong with it but I do overall I, and 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 Derek was a very uh, eloquent advocate and uh, and I think he's right um and I know this is um a story that is seen as being a, 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 a sort of you know fag end of 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 Tom Baker's era before the the slightly late um uh and burgundy flowering of of the slightly anomalous season 18 where he's sort of clearly on his way out but um and and you know takes a slight change in direction from you know the ascendance into 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 lunacy that 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 occurs between season 16 and 17 where you know he does get you know critics of tom baker um you know I think can fairly point out that he does he does sometimes push it a little bit too far, and this story is one of those occasions with the oh my that that was the oh my arms oh my legs oh my everything was not going to be a favourite moment that I chose, and yet the go away is as good as anything any doctor does anywhere ever. Um, so you know, do you want that? Uh, for those listening rather than watching I'm moving my hand in a straight line or do you want that I'm indicating highs and lows it depends whether you want a roller coaster well I suppose Tom Baker is a bit like a drug isn't he he's you know when you get high you get really really high and then when you get low it's it's it's, you get you can get quite low um you know he's he's he is Doctor Who he's brilliant he's a really good actor he's a colossal intelligence um, but occasionally he t- tries jokes that are ill-advised. <laughs> and you know what? The only way you know what jokes work is is as a stand-up. My goodness, you sometimes have to throw stuff out there and stuff that seems like such a good idea. As soon as you say it out loud, you go, and the audience let you know it wasn't a good idea. You go, I knew that wasn't a good idea, but you didn't know it until you'd done it. <laughs> but then when you've done it, it feels like you knew it all your life. And what the hell did you say it for? Uh, <laughs> um, and I don't know it's a comforting it, it looks comfortable to me it looks like the Doctor Who I grew up with because it is um, so look I hope that was uh, that was it that was interesting for you as I said so I'm a little uh, little tired I'll go and have a little pick me up <laughs> no, no I won't because drugs are bad so um, uh, if anyone asks you to do any between now and the next happy times and places, just say no. Uh, (laughs) uh, Right, um, I'm going to go to bed now. Uh, Don't have nightmares on or off anywhere. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.
Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places with me, Toby Haydoke, and my special guest, Derek O'Brien, who has written 60 Star Trek Universe stories on his blog, ussshorefoot.blogspot.com. So please do check those out. Thank you to patrons of this podcast who include Mark Owen, Pascal Zierker, Sidney Wilson, John Williams, Rich Wiggins, Kevin West, Peter Ware, Gavin Ware, Alistair Wallace, Gary Wales, John Turner, Sidney Troat, Paul Taylor Greaves, Adam Stone, Dave Stevens, David Spencer, Richard Smith, Paul Shields. The music for this podcast was specially composed by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. Become a patron and get early releases, exclusive material and guaranteed survival when I become king by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke where you can subscribe for as little as £3 per month. You do get charged straight away, by the way. Um, It's a sort of one-size-fits-all, so most of the uh, stuff is available at the lowest tier, although there is the odd carrot slightly further up the tree. Uh, You can also do kopi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke for a one-off payment, but I understand that times are tough, and I'm very, very grateful to you for listening and downloading. So look, if you are not in a position or even not inclined that's absolutely fine uh, to pay how about just giving me a little bit of your time and going to your podcast provider and giving these a five-star review and perhaps uh, putting some nice comments as well that just helps uh, to make my algorithms tip top and uh, i like to parade my tip top algorithms about town makes me feel good follow these podcasts on twitter at haydoke podcasts And you can go to my website, tobyhaydoke.com, which has got all sorts of things on it. I've got a YouTube channel. Love it if you subscribe to that. And if you like live comedy, go to twitch.tv forward slash XS Malarkey. That's an X and then an S and then Malarkey, M-A-L-A-R-K-E-Y, every Tuesday at 8 p.m. GMT. And I'll be presenting four special guests from the comedy circuit from around the world. There's also an archive and clips of stuff there uh, any time of day or night. So if you're at a loose end and you need a laugh, twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey. <laughs>